Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Check out our new website for all your news, updates, and episodes at NASCARfieldfiller.com. We have one spot left in the field, so let's fill up the last row with our host, Vanilla Wafers. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. It is now week number 10 in the 2021 Cup Series schedule, and guess where we're at? Another than Talladega Super Speedway. One of the craziest races of the year, some of the craziest fans in the year, and the most unpredictability that we will see from any other race this season. Well, excluding the second Talladega race and maybe the Daytona race before the playoffs. Other than that, though, these races are absolutely crazy. So trying to figure out who's going to be the best to put on our fantasy list is so damn hard. But we're going to try our best today. And also, we are going to answer a few questions that I know some listeners have been having regarding Talladega and this race. So strap on in. It should be a good episode today. It is time to look at some of the most asked questions here going into week number 10 at Talladega. Alright, so let's look at the first question here. This is regarding this weekend. Lots of fans have been complaining that Jennifer Jo Cobb is not eligible for this race when some of her teammates have had less experience than she has. Should she be able to race in the 2021 Talladega race on week number 10? Why or why not? So, for most of you who are wondering, Jennifer Jo Cobb is kind of a staple in the truck series. She's been racing down there for plenty of years, hasn't really gotten the best results in the world, but she's been around there making races here and there. She was going to get her Cup Series debut with Rick Rare Racing in the number 15. Had sponsorship and everything. NASCAR decided, nope, she is not eligible for this race. And there's a good reason why. If you look at her kind of resume, you see, yes, she has raced at every single truck race there is. However, when it comes to the Xfinity Series, her resume is kind of minimal. Let's let's look back at the last time she has raced in the Xfinity Series. It was back in 2018 at Talladega. What? So why isn't she in the race? Well, that is because NASCAR says that you can only be eligible for a Cup Series race at a Super Speedway if you race in the Xfinity Series at least the last season, which she has not ran since 2018. And then honestly, the five years before that, she would only do one race at Kansas. So her resume is very, very slim. And let's be honest, she's really not ready for the Cup Series. She's only gotten one top 10 in all the runs that she has done in the truck series. I think she's almost at 150 now. One top 10. That's less than 1%. And I know and I know there's some people uh, arguing about Cody Ware. Why does he get to run the Cup Series when his schedule, he ran even less races? Well, it's simple. He would always put in one race in each of the lower series. He'd do one in truck back in 2014. And then that's when he started in the Xfinity Series. He raced at a super speedway in the Xfinity Series. And then he raced a couple races in 2020, thus giving him an opportunity opportunity to run full-time and into the Daytona 500 for this year. Now, the last argument is, but Vanilla Wafers, there's also been drivers who have ran one-time runnings in the NASCAR Cup Series, and they didn't even race in the Xfinity or Truck Series. How come they got to run, but Jennifer Jo Cobb can't? Well, that's a little different. See, most people with one-race deals, you typically see them at, let's say, Richmond. We had uh, quite a few in the Bristol Dirt Race. We also have some at New Hampshire. The thing that separates those tracks 
from Talladega is the fact that their smaller tracks are not nearly going as fast as they are in Talladega. When someone wrecks at Talladega, there's a lot of other cars involved, so it's more of a safety precaution more than anything. That is why Jennifer Jo Cobb is not going to be in a Cup Series car this weekend. If she's going to want to do that, she's going to have to either go into the Xfinity Series and run a few restrictor plate races or start at some of the short tracks and show that she's capable of running with the top dogs. Next question we have here is, why is the double yellow line a thing when it comes to restrictor plates? We don't see that at any other racetrack except at Daytona and Talladega. Why is that? That's actually a very good question. So the double yellow line rule didn't really come into effect until the early 2000s. This was kind of after Dale Earnhardt's passing. They were trying to make the races a lot more safer when it came to restrictor plate races. Because let's be honest here, they are still going super fast around those racetracks, whether they have that restrictor plate on or not. And what happened was, back in the 90s and even 2000s, a lot of drivers were trying to commit to making passes there on the apron or below where the double yellow line usually is. And usually right there was either cars trying to get up to speed or the Gen 6 biggest enemy in the world, grass. And we all know what happens when you drive through grass, you lose control, and most of those drivers were starting to fly back on into the main speedway where all the other cars were, causing big accidents. NASCAR needed to make a big change so people would not try to make passes there on the very bottom and be and run so dangerously. So that was the reason why they implemented it. Now, that the tracks are starting to lose a lot of their grass, and also it's starting to make very controversial finishes almost every single time we see a double yellow line rule put into effect. Now the rule seems a little obsolete at this time. It usually kind of more takes away than it does receive. Like, yes, it could feel a little safer, but at the same time, drivers are wrecking more because they're trying not to go below the yellow line. So that is the reason why the intent was to be safer so drivers wouldn't be going down on the apron to commit passes and running into the grass area. Now with the grass mostly disappeared at most of those racetracks and also the fact that people are getting pissed off, maybe it's time to get rid of the rule. Who knows? Maybe Dale learned. Hart Jr. will get into the minds of all the directors and maybe they'll finally get rid of it. And the final question we'll touch on today is why is there plate racing at super speedways, most notably Daytona and Talladega only? Again, another good question for people who are fairly new to the sport. You've noticed that only Daytona and Talladega, these cars stay really, really close to each other and everyone has a big chance at winning the race. Why is that? Well, this goes all the way back into the late 80s. In fact, it was 1987 at the Winston 500 involving a past champion and legend, Bobby Allison. This weekend was absolutely crazy from NASCAR's perspective. The cars were faster than ever. In fact, if you don't believe me, Bill Elliott set the track record for the fastest lap at Talladega at 212.8. 8 miles per hour. You don't see speeds come even close to that. We've seen a few 205s, but nothing in the 212s. That was unbelievable, and this was back in the 80s. Cars were getting extremely fast, and people were starting to realize how unstable these cars were. And finally, everything came together that Sunday at the Winston 500, where Bobby Allison blew a tire going across the front straightaway in the early laps, went into the catch fence, 
and NASCAR literally saw its whole life flash before it dies. If this catch fence didn't catch all those parts like it did, NASCAR wouldn't exist right now. This would have probably been the final race. Luckily, no one passed away from in the grandstands thanks to that catch fence holding all the parts and pieces as much as it could, and Bobby Allison's car coming back onto the straightaway where he unfortunately got injured in that accident. I do believe he suffered a broken femur, I think it was. Something to that nature, but that is why we have restrictor plates to slow the cars down because there is a thing as a car going way too fast when they go too fast they get unstable and when a car gets unstable then it gets too dangerous not only for the drivers but for the fans as well that's why we have tandem racing and why we see about 20 cars get piled up in an accident and usually some people get injured in those hmm maybe it's not nearly as safe as we thought it was but hey you know what I would take a bunch of cars wrecking into each other together than a car going 220, 212, flying into the fence because that seems way more dangerous than what we have right now. So that is why we see plate racing today at Talladega and Daytona. And that will conclude our quick little Q&A here going into the Talladega race. That was really good. I, I like answering those questions. It gives us a little bit of history and a little bit of knowledge when it comes to these certain types of races. So we'll probably do that more in the future. So if you do have any questions, make sure to send them on over to NASCARfieldfiller.com. Make sure to click on the contact tab right there in the top right corner. And maybe your question will get answered on the next episode. Now let's move on to the most important thing, our fantasy picks. It is time to see which drivers are good for week number 10 and which drivers you should probably stay away from in this race. Alrighty, so first things first, guys, I got to be honest with you. Trying to find the best 15 drivers was pretty difficult. There are some drivers here that I wish I did not keep off the list because some of them could be very good candidates, but we have to keep it at 15. If I give you guys 25 different drivers, that doesn't help anybody. You can literally throw anyone on there and be like, yeah, that's what Vanilla Wafer said. I don't want to be that guy. So we got five top guys, five pretty good, and five dark horses that you'll want on your fantasy team. And the first one we're going to start off with, let's start off with a guy that's always good at restrictor plates. Everyone knows who it is. Won three Daytona 500s. It's Denny Hamlin in the number 11. He's done really good here at Talladega. He's the most recent winner when it comes to this racetrack. A lot of people say he didn't win that race, but it still stands to this day, so we kind of got to assume that he won. Other than that, though, his finishes here have been phenomenal. Now, of course, for most of to all these drivers, they're going to have one DNF in the last six races. So don't be too pessimistic on these guys. It's Talladega. It's freaking crazy. But for Denny Hamlin, his finishes have been really well here. Excluding one race, he has gotten four top fives in the last five races here at Talladega. That's pretty damn good. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Denny Hamlin in victory lane and not with a double yellow line controversy. I think he can do it fair and square, as most people would say. Denny Hamlin, always good to have on the restrictor plate tracks. If you've been saving your picks up for him, now's a good time to put him on there. Next driver we have here is the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney looked a little rough at the beginning of the season. Now things are starting to come back around for him, especially at Talladega. He, out of the last three races, he has won here twice, so he definitely knows how to get around the restrictor plate tracks because he's also done really good at Daytona. Now, the most recent race here at Talladega, he did wreck out, and then also the Daytona 500, same exact thing. So, do you feel a little scared putting in Ryan Blaney? 
I wouldn't really say so. I mean, that's just really bad luck when it comes to it. I think Ryan Blaney, if he keeps out of trouble, he's going to definitely be in the top three and a contender for that race. Does really good at this racetrack, really skilled driver when it comes to Talladega. Ryan Blaney, definitely a good pick on your fantasy roster. And then the next driver I want to include is his teammate. How about the number 22 of Joey Logano? Joey Logano is one of the most hated drivers when it comes to Talladega. You don't believe me? Ask anybody who attended the 2015 Talladega race. Yes, they always hate NASCAR, but that day they really hated Joey Logano. Ooh, took that win away from Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Jr. That son of a bitch. But the one thing is he's really, really good when it comes to winning or finishing near the top three in stage races. If you look, his finishes haven't been too spectacular, but he's been on average scoring 40 or more points each race. How is that so? How does somebody who finishes like 11th or 17th score 40 points? It's because he's always near the front at stage one and stage two. He just needs to put everything together like I've been saying. He didn't do that in the Daytona 500. Maybe he can actually finally do it at one of these Talladega races. He's been victorious here before. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in victory lane again. Joey Logano, another good pick for this weekend. Now let's include almost everybody's favorite driver, the number nine of Chase Elliott for Rick Henrik Motorsports. Chase Elliott has been kind of interesting this year. Let's be honest, nobody thought that Chase Elliott would be the only driver winless at the Rick Henrik camp up to this point. Most people would think probably like Alex Bowman or William Byron, but Chase Elliott, the 2020 champion? Nah, but... It is true. This is the timeline that we live in. and But Chase Elliott could honestly turn things around here this weekend. We have seen him been successful at Talladega in the past. He's gotten a victory here. His average finish is 19.7. And if that sounds really bad, trust me, if you're inside the top 20 when it comes to your average finishes, that's pretty good. And his last race here, he did finish fifth. And then Three races before that, he finished eighth, and then before that, got a victory. So he has success here. We know he can run near the front. Almost won the Daytona 500 earlier this year. Got a great restrictor pay package. This could finally be the area where things turn around for Chase Elliott. If not, it's going to be one of the road course races. But I wouldn't be scared to put the number nine car on your fantasy league for this weekend. And then the last one, let's talk about the number 47 at JTG Daughtry Racing. Yes, it is time to include Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is usually on everyone's spank tank when it comes to restrictor plate fantasy teams because, let me tell you something, he's so damn good at these races. His average finish is 12.7. 12.7 is phenomenal when it comes to Talladega. Just to let you know, Denny Hamlin was one of the top picks and his average finish is still 16.9. Not that great compared to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr., he's had had a little bit of difficulties in the last couple of races. But man, let me tell you something. He's always there in the stage finishes, similar to Joey Logano. If he puts everything together, he might be in the top five, scoring a bunch of points. That number 47 team has looked really good this year, been running really well. I wouldn't be surprised to see the number 47 car compete for that win and be potentially another surprise winner in this crazy 2021 season. So those are the top five guys. We got Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Now let's look at the pretty good category. These are drivers that may not be necessarily the greatest, but they're going to be right around the top 10. Maybe could even sneak away with a victory here. First one I'm going to include is Chase Elliott's partner, William Byron. William Byron has been doing really good this year with all the top 10s. 
and with his boy, Rudy Fogel. But a little thing to be a little nervous about is the fact that he did not do really well at the Daytona race. Hey, you know, there was a lot of good guys taken out at that Daytona race. If you're noticing a bunch of drivers here, they're, you're just like, hey, he got a DNF in the 2021 Daytona 500. He can't be that good. Well, that was like on lap 15. We really didn't get to honestly see how well they would run. And William Byron has honestly not been that bad when it comes to restrictor plate races. I mean, shoot, he won the Daytona race in the summer last year, and he's been a front runner at a few of the Talladega races. Yes, some of his finishes haven't showed up lately, except for the most recent year, where he finished 4th and 11th. But this is a different Rick Henrik team. They look really strong. William Byron looks really strong. I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps his top 10 streak going here at Talladega. And then the next one we have, let's include his partner, Alex Bowman. Let's be honest here. If one of the Rick Henrik guys is doing good, mostly the others will follow. And I really feel like we're going to see Alex Bowman there near the front. Not just because of his victory there at Richmond. Hey, that's going to get a lot of motivation going. We all know how well motivation is for a team. But Alex Bowman has been there near the front in the last few races. Let's look at his past few finishes here at Talladega. A 14th place finish, a 7th place finish. Again, a DNF. It does happen and a second place finish. He's been near the front at most of these events and been scoring a lot of points. Yes, his average finish is 23.4, but don't forget he was with BK Racing and we all know how BK Racing was. They were dog shit. But with his three top tens at Talladega, I wouldn't be surprised to see that number 48 car near the front once again, maybe pushing Chase Elliott or William Byron to the victory. Alright, alright, I know I've been drooling over the Rick Henrik drivers. Oh god, they're just so good. But now let's look at some other guys from other teams. Let's include Eric Amarola in the number 10 machine. Yes, this team has been struggling. They are in a must-win scenario this early in the season, which is kind of crazy to say. But Eric Amarola has had a lot of success when it comes to restricted play races. If you don't believe me, check out back in 2014 when he finally got the first victory for Richard Petty Motorsports in almost 72 years. I know it's an over-exaggeration, but he was able to get the win for them in the number 43 car and then also was able to get a victory at one of the Talladega races in that number 10 machine. He doesn't win a lot, but man, when it comes to restrictor plate races, he's really good. And he had a good car at Daytona, just again, got taken out really early. Don't believe me, he won one of the duels, so... I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Amarola can keep clean throughout the entire race. He will be there near the end. Let's just hope it's not like last year where he's spinning out at the finish line. I mean, he technically was there till the end, but he still wrecked the car. But I don't think that's going to happen this weekend. I think Eric Amarola is going to do really good in that number 10 machine. And then let's include another Ford. Let's talk about Brad Keselowski in the number two. Brad Keselowski has had some fairly rough finishes when it comes to restrictor plate races. And that's an honest shocker too because this guy has five wins at Talladega. He does really, really good at Talladega. Really likes this track. But lately the finishes haven't been there. I mean an 18th place, a 19th place, a 25th, a 13th, a 27th. Where are all the good finishes at? When the hell was he doing good here? Well still keep an eye on his fantasy points. 35 points, 29 points, 26 points, 24 points. He's just like Joey Logano. He can score a lot of stage points in these races and if he can just get into the top 10 or maybe victorious in this race, he is going to score 55 plus points. I feel it. I think Brad Keselowski can get 
57 points if he can get a top three finish in this race because hell I'll see him second or first in the first stage I'll probably see him third place in the second stage and then bam right up there Brad Keselowski definitely a really good pick even though the finishes don't show in the last couple of years all right, we're still on the four train. Let's include the number 17 of Chris Busher. Chris Busher is someone that usually gets overlooked when it comes to fantasy picks. Now, if you overlooked him and didn't listen to me for the Daytona 500, good job. He, he didn't finish the race, and I looked like an idiot. Fair enough. But if you look at the Talladega races, the last three races here, and heck, we can even include a race when he was back in the number 37 car, he has scored about 30 points Per race and for that number 17 team that's pretty good and don't forget last year he finished 22nd due to uh, forcing someone below the yellow line still scored 33 points that's really good and I could honestly see that number 17 car running near the front again it did it with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. it's been doing it with Chris Buescher that number 17 car definitely a good fourth or fifth pick in this weekend. So those are my five guys. We got William Byron, Alex Bowman, Eric Amarola, Chris Buescher, and Brad Keselowski. Now let's move on to the ones that most people get excited about when it comes to these races, the Dark Horses. All right, so the first guy I want to talk about here on the Dark Horses, you may not be expecting this one coming, but how about Ryan Priest in the number 37 car? An open charter car is going to make it into our fantasy picks, and here's the reason why. Would you believe me if he has one of the best average finishes at Talladega than any other current driver at 11.5? Only two top 10s. But he's very, very consistent here in that number 37 car. I I honestly am going to put him on my fantasy list. If you have that much consistency and you run that well that you're beating people like Ricky Stenhouse Jr. on average finishes, my goodness, you're definitely going to be fitting my fantasy roster, that's for sure. Even last year when you were an absolute bum, you still finished 10th and 15th respectively here at Talladega. Definitely a good dark horse to keep on your fantasy roster. Next driver I have here is Eric Jones in the number 43 machine. It is time to trust this number 43 car. I think he can actually get a really good finish for Richard Petty Motorsports. He does really good when it comes to restricted play races. We saw him win the Sprint Unlimited, even though that was more of a wreck fest race more than anything. He also got a victory in the Daytona Summer Race. I think he's now going to start moving towards success here at Talladega. I mean, look at the team he's with. Richard Petty Motorsports has been always really good when it comes to these super speedways. And honestly, Eric Jones is really good at this racetrack as well. Last two finishes here, yes, he was with the number 20 car, but he finished second and fifth. Has two top fives here. They both came from last year. And I see that number 43 car running near the front. Do I see him getting victorious? I, I wouldn't go that far. But do I see him scoring maybe 35, 40 points, getting a solid top 10? Yeah. And you know what? That's exactly what Richard Petty Motorsports needs right now. A good, solid top 10 race here at one of these restrictor play tracks. And I think Eric Jones can do it in that number 43 machine. Now let's include Chris Busher's partner, and that is the number six of Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman has been kind of a letdown whenever we put him on our fantasy roster this year. Tracks that I think he's going to do good at, he absolutely does horrible at. Same thing happened at Daytona, so why are we giving him another chance? Well, that's just the thing when it comes to Talladega or restricted plate races in general. They either love Ryan Newman or they freaking hate him. 
and I feel like he's finally going to get a race that loves him because, damn, here at Talladega, here's his last few finishes. 6th, 24th, 2nd, 7th, 25th. Are we going to see a subpar finish or are we going to see a top 7 finish? I feel like we can see a top 7 finish out of that number 6 machine. They need something positive to go their way. I can see Chris Buescher running near the front and if he's running near the front, you will see his partner not too far behind. Ryan Newman, a good dark horse in this race. Then the last two drivers that we're going to include, how about the Richard Childress Racing drivers, Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick. I'm going to put these guys together because I'm pretty sure they're going to be running close to each other this entire race. Honestly, Tyler Reddick has had a little bit of bad luck last year at all the restricted plate tracks, but one thing I noticed in every single one of those races was he was running near the front. The Daytona 500, again, the same damn thing. Everyone wrecked on lap number 13, so really don't take that race too much into consideration for the number 8 car. He can still run near the front. I could totally see him competing for the win in this race, but he has to stay clean. He cannot be wrecking into anybody. He cannot be making wild decisions because that's what always throws him off in these races. If he stays patient, if he stays smart, you're going to see the number eight car in a top five finish. And his partner won't be too far behind because Austin Dillon, let's be honest, he does pretty good at restricted plate races. He knows when to take people out when he needs to. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be passing people. He's going to be taking people out. We know how Austin Dillon races at these racetracks. But still, who's usually on the front end of all those incidents? Austin Dillon. He usually can stay safe, uh, except if it's the 2015 Daytona 500. But this is a little bit different. I can see the number three and number eight car competing for the victory here and maybe get Richard Childress another victory at one of his best racetracks as a car owner. So those are the dark horses there. The number 37 of Ryan Preece, the number 43 of Eric Jones, the number six of Ryan Newman, the number three of Austin Dillon, and of course, the number eight of Tyler Reddick. And that will conclude our final picks here for this weekend at Talladega. Now, I know there are some drivers that were left out that a lot of people are upset about. I know most people are just like, Vanilla Wafers? Where's Michael McDowell? He should totally be on there. He won the day doing 500. Well, the reason why I didn't include him in this race is because, let's be honest, Michael McDowell has actually one of the worst average finishes here when it comes to Talladega. 294 that is really bad, so I'm not considering the number 34 car really a good pick. He's going to have to show me. Watch, he's going to get another victory here at Talladega. Watch, it's going to happen. I just said this. He's going to be up near the front. No, I, I really don't think so. He's more likely to finish last place in this race than he is finish in the top five. And then also other drivers, Matty Bandetto, he was very close last year. Unfortunately, went uh, got kind of screwed over by NASCAR. Uh, but other finishes before that, really nothing spectacular. So Matty Bandetto, he really has to show me that he can run near the front. And then someone like Kevin Harvick, yeah, very consistent guy and when it comes to restricted plate races. But he's more of like 11th through 15th. I don't really think we want to waste Kevin Harvick on 11th to 15th place finish. Even though he's kind of felt like that all this year, I really don't see that happening too much longer. That number four car has to turn things around. But overall, guys, make sure to tune in to the Sunday race. You do not want to miss it. That is going to be going on at 2 p.m. Eastern time on Fox 
do not miss it. It's going to be a crazy race. And above all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast.